I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I'm grieving a little. Today's Palm Sunday. It's, it's the kickoff to Holy Week. And it's usually this, this very festive moment during the Lenten season. This little bit of a break before we get into uh, to Holy Week and we, we dig into the sorrows of Maundy Thursday and, and Good Friday. But we don't even have any palms here. Um, we, we get our, our flowers for the services from the greenhouse here in Hudson and they called us. They canceled the order because they had to close their doors. And uh, so we don't have any palms. And normally, the, the little children uh, come in waving their branches as we sing. And I always have to give like this public service announcement about, you know, it's not a sword. Don't poke people, you know, and, and that type of stuff. Um, but there are no palms and there are no little children. And by the way, kids... Um, I miss you, and uh, I know that Bob misses you too. Today's Palm Sunday, and uh, while I'm glad for the technology and, and the ability to gather online, you know, and, and by the way, if you, if you haven't said hello or posted a picture of your family gathered uh, for worship, uh, please make sure that you do that. That's I always say, you know, please sign in on the yellow sheets. Well, you don't have any yellow sheets. This is how you sign in to let us know that you were here. We'd appreciate that. Um, it's just not the same. I've been thinking a, a lot about this week that we're entering into, this, this week that we call uh, Holy Week. And, you know, wondering how is it that we're going to, to walk through those events of the last week of Jesus' life together as the church, as God's people. And, and how, will we, how will we celebrate Easter? Uh, you know, they're talking about the peak of this uh, coronavirus not happening until the middle of May. What does that mean? And, um, you know, these are, these are hard and, and difficult questions. And the one thing that's really clear to me is that this year will be Different. It will be different than any, any other time that any of us have ever experienced in our lives. And as I think about that, I think about the Babylonian exile of the Israelites. You know, in, in the history of Israel, um, and if this is a little bit obscure, I, 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 I apologize, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you there. Um, Remember that in the history of Israel, Israel begins as, as a family. You've got Abraham, and then his son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, um, who has 12 sons. Um, but Jacob wrestled with God, and his name was changed to Israel. And so from this one man, we end up with a large family, and then those families break up into Tribes and, and those tribes become a, a people and, and, and they become a, a nation. And they become very powerful. They have kings and queens and, and, and all kinds of you know, pomp and circumstance and power and wars and, and all those things that, that, that nations do. And as they became more powerful, 
their hearts turned to worship other gods. And uh, God sent prophets in disasters to call his people to repentance. And he called them to turn back to him. And ever since then, times like these, God's people have responded to times of crisis and tragedy with repentance and and turning back to God. And so one of the things that, that God's people have done centuries upon centuries when we come into difficult times like this is we examine our hearts for idols. We examine our hearts for false gods. And ultimately, a god is anything that that you put your hope and trust in. They can be statues uh, that people bow down to and and they pray to them. Um, But more often, uh, a god is, is something that God actually created for our good, created for our benefit. And we kind of get our relationship with them wrong that we put the benefit in the thing rather than in the God who has given it to us. So your job, your insurance, your stock portfolio, all of these can be idols. Your family can be an idol. The government, medicine, the media can all be idols. They can all be gods. Uh, You know, I think I've become more devoted to two o'clock with Governor DeWine than I have been to spending time reading God's word than, you know, across a long period of time. These are things that grab our attention. And then where do we place our hope? Where do we put our trust? Where do we put our confidence for the future. And notice, these, these are good gifts that, that God gives us. But when the relationship gets wrong, God calls us to repent. And that's what was going on with Israel. As they're sent away into exile because they didn't repent. And they continued in their idolatry. Now, I want to be really clear. Some of the people you know, were very faithful. They, you know, they were trying to live according to, to God's you know, ways and, and, and his, his word. They were trusting God's promise. And they, they, were, they were swept up with the nation. Because eventually God sent his people into exile. He sent them to, to Babylon, which would be modern-day Iraq. And when they were in Babylon, the Babylonians came and they, they took Israel away and they tore down their temple. The temple of Jerusalem was torn down. Now, we're used to the idea that there are all kinds of churches. Um, we have a church like on every corner here in, in Hudson. But that's not what it was like for Israel. They had one church. They had the temple. That's where the offerings were offered. That's where the sacrifices were given. So this was a big deal. This had a huge impact on the the way that they worshipped. They couldn't offer the sacrifices to atone for their sins. They they couldn't bring their thank offerings to God's house. 
They were separated from this, this experience of worship, kind of the way that we're separated from our experience of worship. But they had God's word, just as we have God's word. And they had prayer. And they gathered around God's word and prayer in places called synagogues. This is where the whole synagogue system began, was when they were in captivity in Babylon. In fact, the word synagogue literally means to gather together. And what they were doing is they were gathering around God's word, and they would gather around and pray. And one of the prayers that they prayed was, Lord, please save us. Or in the Hebrew, they would have said, Hosanna. Hosanna. And he did. God heard their prayer. And he gave them their homes again. And he restored their fields and, and their workplace. He, he gave them rulers who rebuilt the temple so that they could offer their sacrifices and they could come into God's house again. And that word Hosanna became a word of praise. Not just a prayer, please save us, but kind of the sense of God has saved us. He sent them into exile because they were worshiping false gods. They literally bowed down and offered sacrifices to idols and they repented and God in his mercy saved them. At Jesus' time, the idolatry of God's people was different they weren't bowing down to idols. They, they loved power. They loved identity. They loved status. And, and frankly, they were more like us in terms of what kind of idolatry they were going through. But Jesus came. And remember that his first message, the first sermon Jesus ever preaches is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we repent. Turn from your sins because God's grace and love and forgiveness have come to you. And as Jesus preached that message, it threatened the idols of the powerful. And in the last week of his life, he entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He came to the holy city like a king who had come in peace. And as he came, people shouted, Hosanna. And I suspect that it was with a, a, a note of praise. But boy, oh boy, when you think about what this week is all about, that word is so appropriate. As Jesus enters into Jerusalem, Hosanna, please save us. And that's our cry Today, oh God, save us. Save us from, from illness. Save us from death. And we pray, use doctors, nurses, researchers, pharmacists, and the, the government to help us because these are, these are God's tools. These are God's gifts to bring life and healing to us. Save us. Hosanna. But God's salvation is 
it's deeper than restoring health. It's, it's more than, than just kind of restoring people's wealth. He saves us from the deadly pestilence that he, he calls sin. And sin is, at its heart, a form of idolatry. An idolatry that, that teaches you to put yourself over God. It's an idolatry that teaches you to trust yourself instead of trusting your maker. To seek your will, your kingdom, your name. This, this week, it, it's, it's, it's all about God's response to our idolatry. Jesus entered into Jerusalem to cries of Hosanna And that's why he had come to save us. He took our idolatry upon himself. And he shows us the futility of it all. Because he took it and he nailed it to the cross in his own body. Hosanna. He took the just reward for our sin. But then... Then he rose victorious from the dead, showing that he is the one who overcomes sin and death. He's the one that we should trust in. He's the one who can overcome death and the grave for us. And so we cry out, Hosanna, please save us. And we remember that the rumors of grace and and of forgiveness And of the redemption of all things, they're true. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. And that means that everything is going to be okay. So, on this Palm Sunday, when things are not right, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. That whenever all of this stuff comes to an end, whenever God restores us to be able to come back to this house, It's Easter. We'll do the hymns. We'll do do the Easter breakfast. And we will celebrate that Christ is risen from the dead. That he has indeed heard our hosannas and answered them far better than we ever expected. In Jesus' name, amen.